Welcome to Bread of Life, a listener-supported program of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about CPE, go to breadoflifeboise.org. It is another good day to go to the Word of God and there look to Jesus Christ as our only Savior and our complete sufficiency in all things. If you have access to your Bible, get ready to open them up, and before them, let us all together say, Lord, we are listening. Speak to us today. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, we're told that we're to clothe ourselves in humility, but we already have mentioned that this is hard to do. If you try to humble yourselves, you almost always will fail. Humility, though, can come and be cultivated by going to the right places. We have already mentioned a few of those places. Go before God Almighty. Consider your Creator. Before Him also consider yourself as His creation. Go before the cross and see that on that cross there is one who suffered not only for you, but because of you. This is a part of what we've considered so far. Now let's go one last place. Let's go with the Lord Jesus and learn from His walk on this earth the way of humility. God received that sacrifice, didn't He? The demonstration that He received that sacrifice, three days later the Son of God rose again from the grave, demonstrating that His righteousness is greater than our sin, and He grants His righteousness to those who will let their hands fall upon the head of the Lamb as their sacrifice. There's something humbling in that when we say, Jesus Christ died for my sins. But let me just change this a little bit. Not simply died for your sins, but died because of your sins. Your sins demanded a sacrifice from a holy God, or it demands the sacrifice of your own life, the destruction of your own life. And God in love sent His Son to die in your place. It was required. It was demanded. And so Christ died because of your sins just as much as Christ died because of the plot of the Pharisees, because of the rule of Pilate, or because of the nails of the Roman soldiers, because of the anguish of the cross. Before all of that, Christ died because of your sin. That should be humbling. Not just for you, because of you. Because He loved you. Because a holy, just God loved you. But would not cease being holy and would not cease being just. So in holy, just love, because of you, gave of Himself to die for your sins. That fosters humility. Remember it. It's why we celebrate the communion meal so often, isn't it? It's why we have crosses around us. We're not trying to beat ourselves up. We're supposed to remember all that Christ has done for us. Now, once you do all of that and you put yourself as this recognition that you're before a holy, almighty, all-powerful God and you are a dependent creature and that you're a sinner and that your sins brought about Christ's death on the cross and that Christ did this because of you, but Christ also did this for you, then the next thing is, humility comes when you begin counting the blessings of His mercy and His grace showered out upon you. Think about it. You're a sinner. Christ died for you. Christ died because of you. And yet God, 
showers upon you the fullness of His grace and His love and His mercy and He pours out benefit daily upon your life and you know, you know, now you don't deserve this. You don't merit it in any way. His blessings are wonderful and they're profound and they're to be enjoyed. He takes satisfaction when you're satisfied in the things He gives you. But they should humble you. They should humble you then. Again, one last thing. This humility comes when we watch and learn from our Savior. It comes as the result of remembering that we are His disciples and that we want to follow His example and we want to walk where He walks. The Greek word here, clothe yourselves with humility, is a word used of a servant who is putting on an apron and preparing to serve others. And when Peter would have used this phrase, clothe yourselves with humility, he would have remembered that night and that last meal that the disciples had with the Lord Jesus before he went to die upon the cross. And after the meal was over, because the disciples wouldn't wash one another's feet because they had an argument among themselves of which one of them would be the greatest in God's kingdom. After the meal is over, their master, their Lord, we're told, rose up from the table, took off his outer garment and took the apron of service and wrapped it around himself. And he went around and he began to wash their feet. You recall Peter said, Lord, you can't wash my feet. <laughs> Jesus said to Peter, Peter, if I can't wash your feet, then I can't be a part of your life. And Peter said, then wash me all over. <laughs> Cleanse me completely. And the Lord Jesus gave Peter a word of encouragement. Peter, I have. You've been washed. You're clean, but you still need your feet washed. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, He gives you the bath, you're washed, you're cleansed, you put your head upon that lamb, the blood of that lamb washes and cleanses you of all your sins. But you still live in a sinful world. And that resurrected lamb, who is the Lord of all the universe, still wraps the towel of service around Himself. And you confess your sins. Bows before you and washes your feet. And it's your fellowship with Him. When you know that, when you understand this profound, loving service and condescension, you want to be like that. You want to follow that example. The issue of being humble is really this. You can't be humble by trying to be humble. But you can be humble by trying to be Christ-like. By trying to be like the Lord Jesus. You think of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was excellent in every way. He was the perfect man. He was all that a man should be. The Bible says he was very God of very God, and yet he had set that aside. He didn't operate under those prerogatives, one with the Father, one God, and three persons. And He came, and he expressed this perfect, sinless humanity. He expressed the excellency of a glorified, morally perfect individual. And then he lifted that up before us as an example to follow in. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he says, Now listen, I want you to follow this example of moral Perfection, moral glory. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Come and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. I'm humble. With all of his excellencies, what he would have us learn from him is his self-abandonment to the Heavenly Father, his other yielding to the Almighty God. So listen to the words which the Lord speaks of his own life upon the earth from the Gospel of John. And just for a moment, look at how he uses the word not or nothing to refer to himself. 
John chapter 5, verse 19. The Son can do nothing of Himself. 5.30 I can of my own self do nothing. I seek not my own will. Verse 41 of chapter 5. I receive not glory from men. Chapter 6, verse 38. I come not to do my own will. Chapter 7, verse 16. My teaching is not mine. 8.28 I do nothing of myself. 8.42 I have not come of myself, but He sent me. 8.50 I seek not mine own glory. John 14, verse 10. I speak not for myself. John 14, 20. The words you hear are not mine. Andrew Murray, in his wonderful book, Humility, sums up these passages to show us the central nature that Christ lived upon this earth. Here's what he says, quote, It is this, He was nothing that God might be all. Of His power, His own will, His own glory, his whole mission with all his works and his teachings, of all this he said, it is not I. I am nothing. I have given myself to the Father to work. I am nothing. The Father is all. Folks, that's humility. That's the heart. That's the life. That's the spirit that God abides in. That's what God is asking for us. That's where God wants to dwell. That's the right attitude even before persecution and suffering. Just one last note here. Humility leads to exaltation. God has constituted us for pleasure, for reward, for exaltation. When I bow myself and I empty myself, this wonderful paradox takes place. When I release myself from the pursuit of seeking satisfaction in myself, God brings to myself a satisfaction I could never know. He gives me the satisfaction of his own life, his own presence, his very goodness, his royal greatness, abiding and dwelling within me. This satisfies the self more than anything else does. It's the means by which we soar to the highest levels of exaltation. It's not the exaltation of self, though, is it? It's the exaltation of God in us, before us. How is that going to be cultivated in my life? Let's, one last little comment here. Let's go back to the context. Remember, it's shepherds, how you deal with young men in the church. Young men, how you deal with the shepherds. It's one thing to have these high and lofty ideals and ideas. It's another idea to say, well, I'll go and I'll, I'll learn how to cultivate this by going out in the world and contending for the faith and enduring persecution. And you know, The real place that's cultivated is in the home. It's cultivated in the relationships we have with one another. The Apostle John put it another way. He said, how can you say that you love God who you don't see when you don't love your brother who you can see? It's the same principle. How can you claim to have humility before God if you do not have humility before the one that God has sent you to serve and live among? And so we're here among one another. And this is the proving ground. And if you live within a family, you find out it's a good proving ground for humility, Right? Nobody knocks the edges off better than your brothers and sisters or a mother. Uh, they also encourage you and make you feel good about yourself as well, but in the right way. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. If it is our great desire to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, 
to follow in his example. We're not saying that we want to be like Christ in being able to multiply loaves and fishes. We're not saying we want to walk on water or raise the dead. We're not saying that we want to have our own words be the words that are bear the words of the very authority of God. We don't want to say verily, verily, or I say unto you. No. That's not what we're talking about. We say that we want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to take upon our life the expression of humanity being purified before you. We're saying, God, we want to be humble. We want to be a servant. We want to be meek. We want to be lowly. We want to be kind. We want our lives to be expressive of your grace, of your mercy. We'll leave the prerogatives of the divine to you. You are the judge of all the earth. You will do right. Vengeance belongs to you, O God. But for us, the kindness and mercy and goodness of our Lord, give us this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you see that you'll never achieve humility without the humble Savior living it out from your very being. The very thing you need in order to be a habitation for God is Christ. Christ, come shape your life and my life so that I may always be humbly receptive to you. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism. If you want to learn more about our work abroad, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about the Mission Fellowship of Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.